But I think when the government starts putting in place taxes that impact people that aren't being green enough, and when the consumer stops kind of buying so much of a certain type of product, which is already kind of happening, you'll start to see more of like a natural flow towards a better future. Hi, I'm Sebastian Bolney, and this is The Sustainable Fashion Wingman, the podcast bringing you insightful conversations from the experts and innovators leading the way into a more conscientious future of the fashion industry. If you've not done so yet, please show some love by subscribing to and sharing the podcast. And if you're looking to expand your connections in the world of sustainable fashion, why not connect with me over on LinkedIn? Sustainable design is on the mind of many a designer these days, especially admirable is seeing the newer graduates and Gen Z designers entering the fashion scene, already kitted out with the awareness and a creative approach to sustainable fashion. One such designer, after graduating from the infamous St. Martins in only 2018, is already leading the way as an authoritative voice on the sustainable fashion scene. Collaborating with brands such as Swarovski and Converse, and recently recruited by the Italian fashion brand Pinko as Sustainability Design Director, Patrick Medell is here to tell us about his rise from humble beginnings to a leading advocate for responsible fashion. So, how did Patrick become a big name the sustainable fashion world is talking about? And what is his vision for a greener future of the fashion industry? Let's find out. Hi Patrick, how are you? Hey, really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on the show today. Uh, I've been following your work for some time. You've been getting a lot of press, so I'm pleased you've given us some time today so that you can hear directly from yourself about how it's going and get your, you know, your insightful perspective on the industry as a whole. I like the fact that, you know, like myself, you're a northerner, a gay working class lad. I understand your parents and sisters were also quite an inspiration for where you are now. So let's start there, shall we? What was it like for you growing up in Liverpool and, and, you know, how did you feel it influenced you? Yeah, I think that um, it's had a huge impact on my kind of design aesthetic, especially, but also kind of how I approach sustainability. I think that um, in Liverpool and northern towns in general, people dress up to go out. You know, it's an occasion to go out and I think that kind of stems from um you know differences between working class people and and not working class people and um it's like really making the most of an opportunity to go out so you dress up and you wear your glad rags and all of that and I always kind of was fascinated uh, seeing how women especially back at home kind of changed from maybe what their day job was, what they would wear for that into kind of these like princesses when they would go out for dinner or go out to the clubs or whatever. And I was kind of amazed by it. Um, But then also kind of the way I grew up around people and how they treat each other and how they approach kind of, you know, life in general, not wasting things, that kind of stuff has has also been kind of fundamental to my kind of understanding and my my idea of what sustainability is and also kind of crucially to that was having a, a grandmother who was born in 1923 and just had lived through so many different kind of 
versions of the world but had had to really kind of come from a completely different time and just kind of fundamentally lived a sustainable lifestyle although you know she was kind of like nine decades ahead of her time is that because it was kind of like a necessity of, of living at the time yeah of course I mean she was born into a to a mining father and a stay-at-home mother of like one of 10 siblings in Lancashire in 1923 and you know that the life then was you couldn't afford to waste anything because because you you know there was there wasn't enough anyway um and also we've got to remember this is a time when you know that there wasn't electricity or gas in houses there there wasn't heating or you know I remember one time I said to her what would you have thought of the idea of a machine that boils water for you when you were a kid. And she said to me, I, I would have thought that was, was crazy, you know, and now look at us with all of these things that we have. And, you know, that was in one lifetime, the change. So it's, um, I just was incredibly lucky and, and kind of blessed to, to have an insight into a world that was so, so before my own time. It's nice to have these conversations with people from those days and to hear, you know, how different it was. It also makes us appreciate or should make us appreciate what we have now. And it's funny how you talk about waste as well, because they didn't have resources to waste. But you know what? Neither do we. Yet somehow we still managed to do it. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially she also used to make clothes and just even the way she kind of said, you know, she would always make sure she made like something out of the scraps of the fabrics for her baby sister or she'd um, buy when she was older for her own children she would make all of the kids um, the same dress in the same fabric because it used less it it wasted less fabric and um, so you know all of those things I just think that really it's really kind of what we need to do sustainability now is I think about combining ideas from the past with technology and like moving to the future I think yeah of course I bet she would never imagine she's she was an innovator before her time (laughs) well it was necessity then wasn't it which is where most great ideas come from I think exactly so can you describe what the Patrick McDowell aesthetic is like what is it that you try to say or you want people to understand from your work well, following on from that, you know, the sustainable side of things did come from necessity originally when I first started making bags when I was 13. So um, for me, the, the it should be quite glamorous. You know, it's, it's bold, sparkly, <laughs> and the sustainability is kind of built into the business model. And it's not, it, I hope it's not something that you look, you would kind of think of immediately when you see the clothes, because... You know, I think for it to do well, it really does just need to be ingrained across all businesses and all sectors for it to really work. And your look is very much about being glamorous as well. It's not, I know that you don't want sustainable clothing to be drab. You don't want it to be like the only option is, you know, pared down basic clothing. Yeah, of course, because I think especially in this kind of time when we're, it, although it's in no way new, for some, for most people, actually, the idea of sustainable fashion is new, and I think it, with anything at the beginning, it's very, very important to to prove that things can be 
um, desirable. And, um, you know, all the iterations of that can come after. But I think in the beginning, it's really, really important that people doing it are really proving that it can be really fantastic and something that people really want. Um, because then everything will follow as any kind of cultural change always always goes like that. Yes, of course, because we still want it to be, people still want fashion to be something that makes them feel good, something that they can go out and party in without it being, you know, drab just because it is sustainable. Uh, when did you first become aware of the connection between fashion and the impacts the industry was having on the environment? What was your first kind of observation of that? Yeah, I mean, so from the beginning, I'd started making bags. I made a bag when I was 13 because my parents wouldn't buy me a school bag. And because I was from a very working class background, there wasn't kind of lots of cash to throw around. So I made it out of a pair of jeans, which I happened to not be wearing because I thought jeans were hideous as a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I made them into a bag. And that kind of started this whole thing of making things out of old stuff that people would give me or things I would find. Um, And then that went on to a small business that I ran from my bedroom of making these bags from a local fabric store which specialised in end of roll and remnant fabrics because it was cheaper than um, buying new like off the roll fabrics from say like Liverpool John Lewis. Um, And then I you know that kind of grew I was on a a TV show called The Young Apprentice, which changed my kind of understanding of like PR and self-promotion. And then I finished my A-levels and went straight to St. Martin's. And at that point I decided, okay, you've done some of these things now, but you really maybe need to learn more about actually designing. So I stopped selling stuff and I just focused on that. And St. Martin's is a four-year course. And the third year before you go back and do your final collection is an industry year so I ended up at Burberry and ended up staying for the whole year because you, you know it worked well I got on with the team there and so it was extended from three to six to 12 months um, and I was kind of just amazed at the amount of stuff that was being wasted and then speaking to my friends that were interning at all of the other major fashion houses in the world and and hearing the same stories from all of them too and you know this isn't that long ago it was in 2016 2017 I think um so really fascinating for me kind of seeing all of this stuff just getting kind of you know it just didn't make sense to me it didn't make business sense it didn't make any common sense like regardless of the impact on the planet it it didn't make common sense to me and you know quite a lot of business practices and fashion don't make common sense to me and then I went back to Central St Martins after the you know the internship ended and I luckily they'd started this sustainability lecture series which I'd gone was going to because I was the representative of the year group you know on like the council thing (laughs) and um, so I had to be at all the lectures and I was going to him and I was thinking, wow, you know, this is fascinating because I've been doing this since I was 13. Like everything they're talking about, I've been doing it already. But I didn't know it was called sustainability. And even for my graduate collection, I'd got the fabric from Burberry. I'd written to Christopher Bailey, who was the direct, creative director then, and said, listen, you know, you've got all this extra stuff. 
I've got nothing. Can I have some? And he was like, yeah, of course you can have some. <laughs> and now, you know, Burberry has this official partnership with the British Fashion Council and other companies donating their excess fabric to, you know, universities across the country, which is incredible. And, um, yeah, so then it was all very well timed, I suppose. But the re reason why I mentioned the year of my internship was because of how far things have changed in such a small amount of time. You know, it, I am always kind of looking to the future and I always think things aren't happening fast enough. But really, when you look at the industry change from even when I graduated in the summer, of it was exactly three years ago, uh, which is kind of crazy to think. But um the change in the fashion industry and the global landscape around sustainability and also crucially the the impact of climate change on people has also increased so much in the past three years and so um you know we're really kind of reaching we're reaching a tipping point for the planet but we're also reaching a tipping point for sustainable fashion it's it's gaining so much momentum now you know yeah and it sounds like it's been a natural progression for yourself and you're right sustainability has become like a buzzword in the last few years but also from what you're talking about it's not necessarily a new idea because you've come from a background from your grandmother for example who respected the resources that they had and realized that resources are limited and then you've gone from that to you know going to Burberry to large corporations where resources were just considered endless you know, not realizing or not even respecting the fact that actually at some point they're not, you know, they are finite. Um, and obviously it's this big passion for being more eco-conscious that's led you to collaborate with some big names, not just obviously in your internship. But how did you feel, for example, when brands like Converse approached you? Yeah, I mean, I've been very fascinated to work with other brands and it's kind of what the whole business is based off now it, it is based around working with others working with other brands because that's also kind of a sustainable idea too um you know working with Burberry, Swarovski, Converse, Inco, Catherine Hamnett it, it's all been really interesting because like I said I I did actually only graduate three years ago so it's fascinating for me to kind of see have insights into different businesses as well just from kind of like a business perspective um but then also you know it, it's always incredibly helpful for both brands for the larger brands to be associated with a kind of new and up-and-coming designer is quite buzzy for them and then also for me as a new person it gives me kind of more kind of kudos to be associated with these bigger brands as well you know so it's yeah I think it's a win-win for everyone really yeah, absolutely. And, and I think yeah, you're right. Three years, things are moving fast for you, that's for sure. And what is it that you achieve with these brands? What do they bring you in to do? Yeah, so working with these brands has been incredibly interesting. I've primarily worked with them to reimagine their past season clothing and fabrics into new, higher value items, which also elevates the brand's position. Um and it's also a great way for the business to kind of start sustainability. You know, any kind of venture, new venture for a business always starts small because the business usually doesn't want to risk too much at the beginning. So to be able to do it with inventory that you've already bought 
fabric seaboardy boards and recombine them um, is a more business smart decision in my opinion and it's also avoiding kind of constantly just new 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 all the time whereas you are getting a new collection but you're making it from things that you've already got um and it's been fascinating you know like sometimes when we go when I go into brands or the the opinion is oh our factories won't do this blah blah and of course everybody at the factory is like of course we can do this we know how to take things apart and sew them back together again of course we do we've we sewed them together in the first place and so it's been really interesting and it's kind of going into brands that are usually running a b c d e f cell we're going kind of backwards and it can be challenging but it's uh it puts new thought processes into the business it allows everyone to approach sustainability in the business in a kind of a newer way but with product that they're familiar with which can also be useful and you know for the customer it's also quite a nice thing to see because it's it's new but it's product that they're perhaps familiar with and and I think really importantly I always try and do product that is right for the customer of that brand because otherwise of course what's the point yeah no completely so it sounds like you're kind of using their brand dna but also recycling and upscaling product to make them more aware and make the customer have an option for that brand where the product is is not wasteful it's not you know like a lot of new garments are yeah exactly so we kind of it's really interesting is because it is a very kind of like new role within a fashion business i think so i work across design sustainability and marketing and try to kind of like combine those three things together to create the best kind of buzz product and like sell through i guess and um it's really interesting because sometimes it's challenging because you're if you're sitting across different departments, that's not always what people are used to. So it challenges the way people think. But that's also what we need because it's in our abilities to unlearn and relearn the things we're doing that's going to hold the key to our success, I think, in the future. Yeah, you're right. And what you were saying before, it, it's, it all comes back down to the fact that the sustainable kind of movement is much more of a collaborative uh, movement because it takes everybody within a business to be involved. And I know that's something you're very keen about as well is that you know the, the industry can be quite competitive, whereas the sustainable side of the industry looks and is a much more collaborative space. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important to kind of try to shake off these really old fashioned notions of business and kind of uh, the way things were kind of in the 80s I always think it always kind of goes back to that that kind of like power boss of the 80s you know I think still lots of us strive towards that and I think that's really because our education system still kind of looks that way but you know it just simply is not the way the world works now and if you do act like that you're kind of pushing against a natural progression into something different which is like you said about collaboration working together and sharing and trusting that if what you're doing is the right thing to do then you will succeed you know and I think um 
I really think if you're still trying to be this kind of like power boss, fashion bitch situation, I really don't think you'll get very far in in the fashion industry in the coming decades because that's had its time and now it is old fashioned. So now you have to do what's new. It's a much nicer space by the sound of it. I'm looking forward to a future of fashion like that. <laughs> when it comes to action, obviously we're talking about collaboration, but do you feel there's there's a greater contri- or there will be a greater contribution from a certain area? Would it be, for example, businesses, the consumer, the new generation? Where do you think the greater contribution for a greener future the industry will come from? Uh, I think that it's a joint responsibility of businesses and um, governments. I think as soon as you start taxing people that aren't being green enough, there'll be a very quick change. I mean, we've already started to see that. It's it's now making economic sense for businesses to be more sustainable. And so they are being because we live in a capitalist world, which is based around numbers. So make it financially lucrative and people will do it. And that's, you know, it's already coming from the consumers. Everyone has like a base understanding now that they need to be more green but we're still seeing most of the emissions coming from big businesses which in turn are kind of linked to big government so when they really start to make the right types of changes that's when we'll start to see very a a very quick turnaround really because it's all ready to go you know everybody's on board they it's just there's a few decision makers that just have to make the right decisions and sign the right pieces of paper to get it to happen. Um, but I think until those big players have got their kind of financial assets out of the things that are destroying the planet, they're not going to start, you know, so they need to like move their investments around or something to, to get it to happen quicker. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah, so talking about big businesses as well, um, and also, you know, we hear a lot about the newer generations and graduates who have been, you know, apparently more eco-conscious when it comes to their consumerism or work. But looking at big businesses, how much do you think that that's true? And do you think it will make enough of a difference to change industry, especially in light of the bigger players and growers of the young fashion actually being fast fashion businesses? Yeah, I mean, so in general, from what I've seen, and what I'm hearing from everyone is that on the whole, the graduates coming through now all talk about sustainability. So that's a massive shift from even when I was at university, because when that sustainability series started, also De Castro told me this, she's, you know, a big sustainability person in fashion. Um, she When she first started doing them, it was my year, and there wasn't many people there, let's be honest. There, there really wasn't. The lecture hall was kind of empty. And she gave the same lectures in 2019 and it was completely full. So, you know, that's kind of like a, a, a very short turnaround that you're seeing a very big difference in interest from when I was graduating, when people were like, oh, you know, that's not real sustainability. You're not kind of like going and picking grass yourself and weaving it together into fabric. You're kind of taking old things. So, you know, whatever to now where kind of across the board all graduates are now saying this is what we want to focus on so that change in itself is great because it means that the new 
the people coming in from the bottom uh, are wanting to make some kind of significant change. So hopefully that also drives the need for bigger businesses to change too. Although, you know, it is a really difficult conversation because, you know, you also, like you said, have these fast fashion brands that kind of churn out lots of things and sell them very quickly. And I'm very hesitant to, I don't agree with what they're doing, but I also understand where the people are coming from that are on very tight budgets and don't have access to the types of clothing that maybe other people do and and have a need to feel great on a Friday night and they just they're buying what's in their budget you know and I think it's also quite dangerous to to lump everything onto the people with less money again because that's kind of what we always do don't we and we never really look at the people that are making the decisions so but I, I think really that it's it's kind of like a joint thing and it's like a mix of everything. But I think when the government starts putting in place taxes that impact people that aren't being green enough and when the consumer stops kind of buying so much of a certain type of product, which is already kind of happening, you'll start to see more of like a natural flow towards a better future. And I think also the government could kind of like have more kind of restrictions in place around saying certain things so like if you're saying you're doing a certain thing then you actually have to be doing it instead of (laughs) or it's just it's exactly the same as like food or you know you can't say that 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 sandwich is made from gold if it's not made from gold because that's not legal so it would be the same thing with fashion like don't say it's sustainable if it's actually not yeah I completely agree I've said this a few times actually the reason that we we have food regulations. Uh, why can't we have, you know, regulations like that in the industry as well? It would cut down on all the greenwashing that we see a lot. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's um, really interesting, actually. I mean, that often people don't consider it's quite similar. The idea of what you put in your mouth is also similar to what you put in your skin. And, you know, we forget that the skin is such a large part of our body. And if we're constantly putting it into contact with kind of chemicals and things that aren't good for us, that's not good for our lives. So, you know, but I think together the world is starting to wake up to things because, you know, the images that we're seeing in the media now are terrifying. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, if people aren't waking up to it, (laughs) they have a very high pain threshold because it it is very scary what's happening in so many places around the world right now. Yeah, and especially in light of the new UN report about the the impacts that industries are having on the planet. And we know that fashion is a big player in that. It, It needs to be, it's in people's minds now, so less people should be ignoring it we hope anyway and obviously speaking to graduates you also you've also been appointed recently as ambassador of sustainability for the new jca london fashion academy Um, i understand this is because education and providing a positive direction for new designers is important to you so what has been your experience of sustainability in education i know you're saying that a lot of you graduates now are very much aware about the issues um do you think that there's enough education still or could it be improved? Yeah, I mean, there's, for me, there's never enough kind of creative learning. I think we all should be creatively learning everything in all industries. 
for the like the whole of our lives you know in order to keep evolving it was the the uh, topic of my graduate thesis and it's something I've always been incredibly interested in and you know it's through my work as sustainability ambassador for the JCA and also global ambassador for the graduate fashion foundation that um, you know it's my absolute privilege to be able to work with graduates from all over the country and the world and um and get an idea into their kind of perspective on things but you know as I said it's very rare now to find somebody on one of the fashion courses that isn't interested in doing things in a sustainable way it's it's kind of fascinating how quickly it's it's changed so it's like sustainability obviously is in fashion um, which is yeah. why it's it's a big part of the industry now, a big part of the education side of it too. Let's come to your other appointment, recent appointment, which is which is quite a big deal. It's as sustainability design director at Pinko. I actually love the fact that there's you know like you were saying earlier that there's new job roles that are being created to actually support the move towards more responsible fashion. Uh, what was your first thoughts when they approached you for the role? Did you have an idea of what they, you know, what they expected from you or even what a sustainable design director would mean? Well, first of all, the, the role was created by me. It didn't exist before. So I, I created the role, you know, which is what you have to do when things are new. Um, you know, sometimes people don't know what they need until it's like kind of given to them, perhaps. Um, it's it's it can be complicated because it is new you know and like i said it it kind of is a combination of de- the design team marketing team and sustainability so it's um it, it's not as easy as it would be if i was kind of like dropping in to do a bit of like design consulting and then leaving but then i've never done anything like that anyway so uh, i'm I personally find it fascinating to to work in these ways because it really is kind of um it just feels quite fresh you know and it and I and I like the fact that it challenges everybody that's working on it because you know for me for me all of this is like common sense and it it is just how things should be done and it's like easy for me but for some people it's it's a really big thing to get their head around you know and um so just kind of making those changes and also for myself to understand more how larger businesses take longer to adapt and being in a bigger business at director level is fantastic because I'm also understanding more around how how things work up there, you know, in those rooms that usually they, they don't let everyone into. So it's... Um, it's just really interesting and also it's it's been great for Pinko as well so um and like I said earlier is it's such a good way for them to kind of start whilst they're starting to build kind of things properly around how to change the business for the better in the future um starting with what you already have is I think always the best way to go yeah completely and you're right i think it's great that you've had to come in and give that fresh perspective because i guess it is a case of you know businesses when they are at that size they don't really quite know how to go about becoming more sustainable obviously they have this idea and they realize they need to and i guess sometimes it takes a fresher 
uh, set of eyes to come in and say, you know, this is this is probably how we should go about it, and and not be too clouded by the the established old old way of doing things. And it, you must be learning a lot, also, like you say, um, being in the you know the big rooms that people don't normally get into to to see what's going on. Yeah, for sure, learning so much, and I I hope to always be learning. You know, my whole life. I think if you stop learning, it would become really boring. Yeah, completely. What are your plans for Pinko and and your own brand as well? Um, so for the own brand, we're hoping to kind of develop a more direct consumer situation, which would be focused around kind of limited quantities and kind of a, a demi couture kind of service. And then with Pinko, we're working to build a bigger plan around how the how the business can pivot um, as a whole in the coming kind of three years. So, yeah, and then I, I will also continue to work with other brands as well because I really believe that that's kind of the the amazing thing about what I'm doing. It's just that I get to see all these incredible. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm sitting here now looking at the clothes on the rail and just thinking how amazing it, it was to work with the like Tironi silk and Mantega wool um, and, and visit these incredible family-led mills in Italy. You know, it's just really kind of inspiring to, to have all these different kind of sources of inspiration because it's inspiring for the business model, not only for the designs themselves, you know, and I think that's the real responsibility of designers of the future is I think if you look at what's really pioneering right now it's the people that are redesigning the business models of fashion not necessarily designing the clothes so it's my kind of privilege to sit between that and be able to have this amazing creative outlet designing clothes but also kind of rethink the business models that they're sitting within as well. Yeah you're right a lot about a lot about sustainability of course is about the business model, uh, not just necessarily the clothes themselves. And it sounds like you're not going to be short of brands that are looking to collaborate with you. So that's that's always good. I know that you just released or you collaborated with Positive East as well, um, which we, we saw popping up on Instagram earlier, some stunning garments and um, a range there for them. Now, Positive East is a support organization for those living with HIV. I want to ask about, you know, is a raising awareness around LGBTQ issues, is that something that's a big part of your work and something you're looking to do more with? Yeah, I mean, I consider all of the work that I do to be quite queer. And I think there's a lot of irony in most of the things that I do. And that probably stems from kind of like scouse humour. You know, I, I think it's quite hilarious, the idea of kind of making all these kind of like queer clothes inspired by the church or inspired by the fire brigade or climbing or whatever it was that the collection was about um and also kind of hilarious because it takes the edge off things that was traditionally very masculine and can be quite traumatic for lots of queer people so then it was kind of like a natural progression to think well these clothes should also be supporting organizations that are directly helping queer people so this positive East shoot was a chance to shine a light onto the many different roles that the charity offers to to people living with HIV in East London and uh, we put them in the clothes and we gave them a day where they got their hair and makeup done and got to be kind of photographed at their offices by um, 
by Aaron, who took the pictures. And it was just such a nice day, you know, so, so incredible to do something that was so fashion, but also just felt like it meant so much. And I, it, I think it meant a lot to the staff too, to have this day where they were kind of in, in front of the camera, you know, and felt fab and had, I mean, any, all of us having our hair and makeup done is just great, you know, and trying on kind of wacky clothes is great. And um, it was just really special for me to see them wearing the pieces and enjoying themselves and kind of like really feeling comfortable in front of the camera. It meant a lot. And it's the start of, of many projects to come, which work with different LGBTQ plus focused organizations or charities or societies to you know help to shine a light on the work they're doing and and to prove that fashion can be more than just clothes you know because it is about how people feel it is and i think it's great that a voice as big as yours is in that position to actually raise the awareness for businesses and well for organizations that are doing such important work and I like the fact that it's also not just raising the awareness of the organisation, but also the importance of the people doing the work who can often be overlooked, even though they spend every day doing what is quite difficult work in supporting others. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that's a sustainable message as well, because often, especially now we live in this world where we think, oh, it's, uh, you know, so-and-so, like, let's say Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is being Lady Gaga all on her own. Or Vogue magazine is, you know, Edward put together Vogue magazine all on his own. When, of course, they have these big teams of people doing incredible work. You know, I, it was, there was one editorial in a Vogue I had when I was a kid, and it was detailing the amount of people that go into a Vogue shoot because they wanted to say kind of why it, the image looked the way it did. And I remember reading it as a kid and thinking, God, that's incredible. There's so many different people working on these pictures you know so it's um I think really important that we also kind of move away from this idea of kind of the this kind of like sole person at the top that of course is there because of all of the people that work with them so to be able to highlight all of the different people that do all of these different jobs within a charity I think like you said is really important because it really it also kind of just opens people's eyes to like, oh, actually, there is loads of different things going on. And maybe me, myself, as a graphic designer, could also work with a charity. Or me, myself, as a fashion designer, could also work with a charity or as volunteer manager or as HIV testing lead. Or, you know, sometimes we think all these things happen and we can't be part of them. But in most cases, we can. And I think we need to, like, raise awareness around that. Yeah, I think that's great. The fact that you are raising awareness that there are other elements to all these businesses that are important too. And it makes the people that are doing those jobs realise how important they actually are. Yeah, for sure. Well, Patrick, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. I'm sure we're going to see and hear a lot more about you. It's great to see someone so passionate about responsible fashion, having such a big voice in the industry. And I wish you all the best at PINCO and with your own brand and look forward to following your journey. Find out more about Patrick McDowell on his website, or you can literally Google him and find him pretty much anywhere else, but also via the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening. This has been the Sustainable Fashion Wingman podcast, and I'm Sebastian, helping you dress, live, and work more sustainably. Thank you.